Disruptive CEO Nation is the place where young entrepreneurs and company founders tell it like it is when it comes to their journey, vision, technology, culture, and whatever they feel like. Your host, Allison K. Summers, believes how you choose to play the world is completely up to you, and her guests prove it. Now let's get disruptive. Hi, everyone. This is Allison K. Summers. Thank you for joining in for this episode of Digital CEO Nation. And I am thrilled because we have an entrepreneur story, um, how somebody took $500 and parlayed it into being a leader in her space, working with national brands. But we're not only going to hear her journey as an entrepreneur, we're going to hear about her passion and give us tips on how to really live a life built around digital nomendry. So with that, um, I would like to introduce everyone to Carrie DePhillips. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So Carrie, tell everyone um, about your main company. Let's start there. Okay. All right. So in, uh, it was eight years ago, we just celebrated our eight-year anniversary in 2010. I founded The Content Factory. You can find us at contentfac.com. Uh, we're also at contentfac on Twitter and uh, at contentfac on uh, Facebook as well. But I started The Content Factory in 2010 with $500 I put toward a website. And I had been working as a freelance SEO writer for the last few years, I would say. And I started to have enough uh, freelance SEO work to begin to hire contractors that I knew I could trust to, you know, help me execute those projects. In the meantime, I implemented, I, I basically practiced what I preached on the SEO front. And I started writing a lot of content and having my team develop a lot of content over the years for the Content Factory's website. So with that initial $500 investment that I, you know, paid a friend on a friends and family kind of deal to put me together a WordPress website. Uh, I grew that to, it ranks for tens of thousands of keywords now. Uh, if you Google press release distribution, we come up first. If you Google web content writers, we come up number one and number two. Uh, if you Google cost of social media marketing, we come up first. And so because of all of the uh, content that we had produced on our website that was uh, targeted uh, for conversion, uh, we basically grew really, really fast. Uh, it took a while for the SEO results to really grow their legs and start running around the internet, as we like to say. But um, yeah, I, I was able to grow TCF too. Now we have 12 full-time employees uh, spread out over seven different states. Uh, we, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we manage several uh, national brands. So we manage PR, social media, SEO, and content writing, of course, for companies ranging from Astroglide to uh, enterprise-level software as a service companies to we helped launch the world's first Bitcoin ATM. So we've kind of been all over the space, uh, but it's because our, our SEO is on point. So and I think, so oh, I just, I want to ask, isn't... The SEO world to me, it, it, it feels like whenever you read things, it's like, oh, they're going to change things, up, oh, they're going to change things. And, and, and I don't see how anybody does it on themselves without a company like yourself. Is it difficult to keep up with, with knowing how things are changing and keeping a finger on a pulse? No, I, I mean, it, 
my short answer is no, right? <laughs> you need to stay abreast of the best practices, of course, but once you know the basics, all of the algorithm updates, what they tend to do is address people who have been gaming the system. So earlier algorithm updates, for example, penalize sites with a bunch of spammy backlinks. The reason why is because uh, shady SEO agencies were using black techniques and buying backlinks from, from websites just so that Google would see them. And then, of course, you know, at some point, uh, the engineers at Google catch up to those shady tactics. And the, the bottom line is, if you're creating keyword targeted content that is long form, meaning 2,000 words or longer, and it's optimized uh, targeting the right keywords that you're able to rank for. So like consulting is a keyword you're never going to rank for. Financial consultant in Dallas, you might have a real shot at. And so identifying which keywords to rank for is the first part of the process. The number, the second part is in writing the content itself. Uh, and providing value to the reader. You want to answer the reader's question and you can structure your content in a way, formatically, that's going to uh, satisfy the search crawlers. And that's how you get into, let's say, the, the Google answer box, right? That, that real estate at the top of the page that drives a lot of clicks that is even above the ads. So those types of tactics, once you know the basics, once you know the best practices, and once you're able to consistently develop, uh, provide value to your reader and answer their questions, none of Google's algorithm updates are going to penalize you for that. Um, it's all about making sure that you create that content, you get it published, and then uh, you can start doing content marketing activities to, let's say, drive backlinks to it or whatnot. But um, I, anybody can do this. It's not rocket science. Uh, even technical SEO can be learned pretty well. But for most people, front-end SEO is enough, unless the back end of their website is really you know, dragging them down. So once you know how to create content, uh, basically the rest is is pretty easy. And uh, I wouldn't worry too much about Google algorithm updates because as long as you're not doing anything shady in the first place, the update shouldn't impact you. So uh, let's go to um, what I just find so interesting. Um, you have a great story about how you've approached business and choosing where to live. So tell us where you're at today as, you're, as we're speaking with you. I am coming in hot from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, last week I was in Paris and then I spent uh, five days in Turkey. Uh, I worked everywhere. So everyone at my company has the flexibility to work from home or wherever. Um, like I said, I have 12 employees spread out over seven different states. Uh, one of them is in a band. So he gets to take his job with him on the road while he's touring with his band. Um, I have worked from 17 different countries. I've, I've lived and worked from 17 different countries on five continents in the last uh, 18 or so months. Um, and it's all because we can, we can work from anywhere, so we do. And I ran the math on this because I came from an advertising agency background. I used to work in advertising and I'd be up at six o'clock in the morning and I'd be up at six because it takes me that long to shower and I've got a a challenging hair texture, you know, <laughs> that out, giving yourself a full butt every morning just so, you know, your hair is ready. Uh, and fingers crossed there's no rain that day. 
but it would take me like an hour and a half or so to get ready every morning. And then I've got to be out the door by 7.30 to be at my desk no later than, you know, 8. And uh, I paid $230 a month for the privilege of parking my car downtown. And then fighting back through traffic always took a little bit longer. You got to go to the grocery store. Often I'd be home by like 7. And so what I was seeing is that my eight-hour workday was really extending past that quite a bit. And those hours of getting ready to do a job that I was already ready to do and could do from home, uh, which I kind of resented. And then also commuting and the gas and the here babysit my car for a little while in this garage, all those fees add up. And so uh, I met a friend who is a freelance writer and he had the coolest lifestyle out of anybody I'd ever seen. Uh, he got paid to go around and, you know, cover ski trips in uh, Colorado, or, you know, maybe there was uh, some concert that he was covering in New York City. And uh, I asked him how he got into the industry. And uh, he said he wouldn't tell me <laughs> because everyone would ask him that and that he was tired of telling people and really it takes a lot to become a freelance writer. And so I figured it out on my own and started applying for writing jobs on Craigslist and kind of broke into that industry. But long story short, women are spending, women in particular, right? Because it takes us ladies a little bit more time to get ready to be office appropriate by, you know, traditional standards. Uh, women are spending a lot of time getting ready for work that they're already ready for and uh, being able to work remotely. And then once you give yourself that freedom to work from home, maybe that saves you on childcare. If you've got kids and you, you get to spend more time with your children or, you know, depending on how flexible your family is, you can take your kids on the road with you too. There are a lot of digital nomads who slay it in the, you know, digital business world, uh, but are doing so with kids and a family in tow as they travel. Um, and I see a lot of those stories in the digital nomad Facebook groups that I'm a part of. So you can really, once you're able to work from home or work from anywhere, the next question is, well, what kind of lifestyle do you want to have? And how do you optimize uh, your life to enable you to have as many experiences as possible before you kick the bucket? Because time's always running out, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, 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 I know what you're saying. And you, you now help people and, and, share this message um, of how people can um, attract these workers. Because I think that's the biggest challenge in business circles, right? Is, um, you know, okay, so how do I find these people? Or can I trust these, this, that I'm going to have these quality workers? So what kind of tips do you have for somebody as you're building this digital nomad workforce? Uh, if you're looking, see, this is, this is a big, this is a huge pain point for me too. And I've got some real opinions on the matter. Um, it, for everything related to digital marketing, as far as I'm concerned, basically all of it's written, uh, unless you're in the, like, unless you're creating YouTube videos or I, you know, there are exceptions to this rule, but for the most part, those of us working in digital marketing and digital PR and SEO and content writing, uh, very writing heavy. And so the number one test that I have is how good of a writer is the candidate. Um, and I evaluate that over and over and over again before I get to the point where I make a hiring decision. So number one in all of my job postings, um, 
I ask for a specific type of cover letter, demonstrating their experience, uh, what they've done, maybe linking to a couple of examples of their work. I don't even look at their resumes if that's not well written, because everything you do from writing emails to clients, to writing tweets, to crafting Facebook ad copy is written. And just because somebody's in your office, and you get to watch them write it does not mean that the copy is going to be any better. And in fact, I would argue that you could get better copy at a cheaper rate if you employed somebody who is working remotely. And especially if they had the experience to back up the fact that they were going to be able to consistently deliver results on an ongoing basis without, you know, missing deadlines. So the first thing that I look at is the cover letter. Then uh, I give them anywhere from three to five paid writing tests. And in some cases, uh, it might be like past blog posts that we've written for clients just to see how their work would stack up against somebody who is already killing it uh, in my company. In other cases, it's completely fictitious. And I just want to see, well, what do they write in like a lifestyle kind of genre? What, what do their tweets look like if the company was an uh, SAAS client, you know, software as a service? Um, the, I give them different types of tests depending on the job that I want them to do ultimately, but throughout the process, I'm evaluating their writing ability. Um, I would recommend that employers who are looking to, um, to source remote workers, that they give these tests and that they pay for them. Um, it's important that you pay for them because that shows the candidate serious but then it also gives you the space before making a decision to see how consistently do they deliver because in more cases than not I find they're able to really ace the cover letter and then they're really able to get a pretty good I'll give them a B to a B plus on the next round but uh, it really falls off on round three and round four which is why I test that far because uh, you're going to be able to get a couple of people to proofread your cover letter. You're, you're going to be able to call some friends and family and they're going to give you feedback and make sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed for your cover letter. And you might be able to get somebody else to do it or the same person for project one or project two. But you can't keep tapping people to proof your work. And I find that like uh, around round three or round four is where you really see what their work looks like. Um, and so there are ways to test potential employees without fully hiring them on and get a really good idea of what their capabilities are and what their actual work delivery is going to be like. I think that was really great advice that you've, that you've given us and that I love the concept of also paying for the writing sample or for the writing test. Um, one, because that, that shows what kind of employer you're going to be as well. I think that's really important. Um, so let's take a look at your experiences. And I, I love to ask my entrepreneurs if there's any kind of naked lessons, anything you kind of learned the hard way that you would share with our listeners. Yes, don't get sued. And there are ways around it and there are ways to protect yourself in the event that you do get sued. Because at some point, chances are, you're gonna get sued. <laughs> it's just like honestly a fact of doing business, especially when you're doing business at a certain level. So number one, I would recommend that all business owners have insurance. I'm a big fan of insurance. I don't think you can be 
too overly insured. <laughs> um, and making sure that you work with a business broker who is familiar with your particular industry because the like insurance concerns that I would have, for example, as a digital, the owner of a digital marketing agency versus uh, the concerns that say you would have if you were selling chocolates online. Uh, would be very different and so you need different types of insurance for that but uh, the number one thing that I see people running afoul of and I've been both victim and perpetrator of this in the past myself even if unknowingly um, so before the content factory uh, was big enough to like transition all of our contractors over to full-time employees uh, I had a couple of contractors that I worked with and we had a set uh, process. We have process documents for everything. Um, all of this is part of our online training courses as well. But we've got process documents for everything and one of the key line items in the how to publish a blog post uh, workflow is make sure you buy your images. There are free image sources and you're free to use them. Uh, my company policy is and always has been to purchase images through, let's say, a source like Big Stock or 2020 has really great images, especially if you care about things like diversity and different body sizes and uh, their images tend to be more compelling, although a lot more expensive. But the bottom line is if you're just pulling images off of, let's say, Google image search results, which one of my contractors did on behalf of a client and then posted it to or post it to your website which uh, one of my contractors did <laughs> to a client's website it just because they don't catch you immediately doesn't mean that they're not going to catch you eventually and these uh, images versus Getty is really famous for this uh, they have I guess code on the images themselves, it's easy to scrape. Eventually you're going to get caught and then you're gonna get popped with a demand letter for anywhere from, you know, let's say $3,500 on the low end to it could be $35,000, depending on how many images are on your website. Uh, it does not matter. If you can prove via your Google Analytics that, um, you know, 20 people saw it. It does not matter if you take the images down. You are still in violation of copyright law and then subject to penalty. And you're gonna have to hire a lawyer to handle that issue for you. Chances are that lawyer is going to be able to negotiate a significantly lesser settlement than what the demand letter is asking for. But at the end of the day, you're still gonna have to pay it, which is why, you really want to make sure that on images in particular, if you've got a website, you know exactly where all of those images came from and you've got the receipts from purchase or can prove that you got them from a, you know, a free image hosting site. But if you're going through a free image hosting site, I would recommend that you go through a reputable one to make sure that those images are actually royalty free. Because if you got it at Bob's free, uh, image sources, right? And it says free sources right there. Bob told you it was free. Uh, Getty doesn't care if uh, it was one of their images. And uh, so that's something that business owners need to be aware of. And if any of your listeners 
are, you know, not sure about the images on their website and whether or not, you know, they've run afoul of image copyright laws, I would say run, do not walk to your laptop and replace those images because at some point you're going to get popped for it. Yeah, um, somebody just showed me how you could, under Google, upload your image and yep. do a search for your own image. And I think people don't realize that either. Um, yeah, reverse image search. It, yeah. It's great for, for stalking people on Tinder, too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, Carrie, I thank you so much for everything, everything that you've, that you've shared. You have a remarkable story. Um, it is, it is so fantastic. I can't wait to talk to you again and hear where in the world you are. Um, if we do talk to you again in the next few years, what are your aspirations? What do you hope for your company? What do you hope for your personal interests? What, what do you think you'd tell us if we talk to you again in two or five years? Uh, I hope that in two to five years, uh, I can talk to you again and tell you that I have helped thousands of people find remote work and uh, untether their lives so that they can, you know, ditch that cubicle life. Because I think a lot of people are wasting a lot of time and a lot of talent uh, in that unpaid labor that I talked about. Uh, and it's easy these days to, if you are strategic about, you know, the types of jobs that you apply for and the skill sets that you develop, uh, to really be able to live and work from anywhere and, and, you know, squeeze every last drop of ROI out of life. Wonderful wisdom. Remind everybody again where we can reach you and find you. You can find me over at workationing.com. I've got a podcast with my business partner. It covers all of our travels around the world, uh, our adventures and misadventures, successes and horror stories. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, basically everywhere you can catch a podcast. Again, that's the Workationing podcast. I own the Content Factory, and if you want to be trained in search engine optimization, uh, digital PR, social media marketing, web content writing. I feel like I sound like Sally Struthers now. Uh, <laughs> but um, we can train you in all of that or provide those services for you. And you can catch us at contentfac.com, uh, at contentfac on Twitter, Facebook, and all the other social channels too. Well, thank you for being so generous with your time. And to our listening audience, if you liked this podcast, uh, please comment, please share. Um, direct other people our way. If you have an entrepreneur who's got a great story that we should be speaking to, drop me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. And Carrie, I wish you a fantastic journey um, and look forward to speaking with you again sometime. Thanks again for having me. Okay. I, I uh, look forward to subscribing to your podcast and catching all the episodes. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.